And we're continuing our series on the five solas uh, of the Reformation. Uh, and today we are looking at Solus Christus, uh, Christ alone. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, we saw that we were saved by God's grace alone. Right? And grace means God treating us in a way that we don't deserve. God treating us far better than we deserve. It's unmerited favor. And we are saved only because God has been gracious to us. It is God's work from beginning to end. He's the one who chose us. He's the one who rescued us. Uh, he's the one who made us His own. He's the one who will keep us to the very end. We are saved by His grace alone. And then last week we saw that we receive that gift of salvation by faith. That is, we do not receive that grace by our own efforts, by our own works. Nothing that we do contributes to our salvation. We are saved simply by trusting in what God has done for us. We believe His promises. We rely on His Son. And so it is faith alone, not our works, that enable us to access that grace in which we stand and in which we are saved. We are saved by grace alone through faith alone. And this whole complex of grace, faith, and salvation, that is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works, so no one can boast. Now, if last week we concentrated on faith alone as opposed to faith plus works, this week we're concentrating on the object of our faith. Because, you see, when we say we are saved by faith, it doesn't mean that it's faith in itself, in and of itself, that saves us. It's not a matter if, if we believe we are saved, then we are saved. You don't have faith in faith. No, 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 no. Saving faith is not faith in faith, but faith in Christ. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Uh, we see that in the passages that we, we looked at last week. Uh, if you were here at Smack last week, you looked at Romans 3. Come with me back to Romans 3, uh, which you looked at last week. Uh, so we're going to go through it very, very briefly. Uh, Romans 3. Uh, on page 941, if you're using the uh, green sticker Bible, I think most people are using the green sticker Bible. Uh, page 941, Romans 3. And you remember last week when you looked at that passage, uh, you saw that we were justified by faith, isn't it? Uh, not by works of the law. Remember that? Okay. Now, I want us to notice that whenever it talks about being justified by faith, it's talking about being justified by faith in Christ. All right? uh, look, uh, look at verse 22. Uh, it talks about the righteousness of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Uh, or in verse 26, you come down to verse 26. God is the justifier of the one who has faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, he is the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The faith has an object. And the object of the faith is Christ. I preached on the same, uh, uh, same topic at the traditional service last week. Uh, and that we were looking at Galatians. Come with me to Galatians. Uh, Galatians chapter 3. Uh, that's on page 973. Uh, actually, it's Galatians 2. Galatians 2. 
973. Sorry, a bit of flipping today. We got that? Okay. It says, uh, verse, verse 16, We know a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith. It doesn't stop there. Not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. There is the object of the faith. Christ is the object of saving faith. Faith that saves is faith in Christ. And so it's believing in Christ. It's trusting in Christ. It's relying on Christ that saves us. Imagine three people going ice skating on a frozen lake. Anyone here ever been ice skating on a frozen lake? Ah, okay, well, I could have guessed that these were the people. I've never been ice skating on a frozen lake. Uh, I think frozen shopping center once. <laughs> but imagine three people ice skating in a frozen lake. Uh, the first one has got complete confidence that the, the ice is thick enough to, to, to hold her up. Right? Her faith is unwavering. And so she goes on the ice, she enjoys the ice, has a wonderful time skating all over the place and lots and lots of fun. The second person also believes the ice can hold him up. And so he skates on the ice, but he's a little bit unsure. Sometimes he gets a little bit nervous. Right? But there he is, skating on the ice. And then there's a third person and he doesn't trust the ice. So he never gets on the frozen lake in the first place because he doesn't, he, he doesn't trust that the ice is going to hold him up. Uh, and so he doesn't enjoy ice skating. Now, which of the first two ice skaters was safer on the ice? Well, actually, both of them were equally safe, weren't they? It wasn't the quantity of faith they exercised that was keeping them up. It was the thickness of the ice. Their, their faith meant that unlike the third person, they were able to get on the ice, and as long as they had enough faith to get on the ice, they were able to ice skate. And what kept them safe was not their faith, but the ice. If the ice was too thin, both of them also will fall into the water, no matter how much faith they have. And if the ice is thick enough, then both of them would have been quite safe, no matter if one felt more confident than the other and therefore enjoyed the experience more. What was important in the end was, yes, they have enough faith to get on the ice, and after that, it's not the quantity of their faith, but the object of their faith. And in this case, the ice. And that's the same with us, isn't it? We put our faith in Christ. And what's important is that Christ is able to save us. It's not so important how strong my faith is or whether or not I have doubts or struggle with it. No, no, the object of my faith is more important than the quantity of my faith. If Christ can save me and I'm trusting in Him, then I will be saved. So the first question we've got to ask this morning is, is Christ able to save us? Is the ice thick enough? Can he save? And the answer, of course, is yes. Now come with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. 
If you're using the Green Sticker Bible, it's on page 942. Romans chapter 5. And in verse 8 of Romans chapter 5, it starts with a beautiful statement of God's love. Uh, and there that the Spirit points us to the clearest and best assurance of God's love that we could ever see. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God shows us His love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. He died for our sins in our place. He, he, he took our sin. He took our punishment. He, he bore the hell that we deserved as He died upon the cross. We are the ones who should have been spending eternity under the wrath of God, but in the death of Jesus, God took His own wrath and turned it inwards. He substituted Himself for us. And He didn't do it because we were good. We, we weren't. He didn't do it because we were powerful or worthy. We were miserable sinners. He did it because He loves us. God showed His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, if someone did that for me, knowing all there is to know about me, what a helpless, ungodly sinner I am, knowing full well that I'm completely unworthy of such a sacrifice, well, they must really love me indeed, mustn't they? And why does God love us? Why should an infinite, powerful, holy God like Him love a poor, helpless, unworthy sinner like me? Well, I don't know. But I know that it cannot be because of the kind of person I am. It must be because of the kind of person He is. That is grace. And because he's utterly, utterly reliable, I can be sure that the one who loved me 2,000 years ago when he gave his son for me still loves me today. God showed his love and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the fact that Christ has died for us means that we now have a right standing with God. We have been justified. We saw that last week, didn't we? Look at the beginning of uh, verse 9. It says, since therefore we have been justified by His blood. Remember last week we saw that justified is a word that comes from the courtroom, right? It's like you and I are defendants in a case and we know we are guilty, we know we are sinners and when the judge passes his verdict, he says, not guilty. In fact, not only not guilty, but righteous, good. We hear him say, this man, this woman is a fine standing as far as this court is concerned. We are justified. Now we saw last week in Romans 3 that we are justified by faith. Faith is the instrument that brings us justification. But here in chapter 5 verse 9, it says that we are justified by His blood. The blood of Christ, that is the sacrificial death of Christ, Christ's death on our behalf, is the basis for our justification. We are declared not guilty before the judge of all the world because of the death of Christ. We are justified by His blood. Now, you know the difference between the instrument that brings our justification, faith, and the basis for our justification, the death of Christ. Right? There's two different things. We are justified by faith, we are justified by His blood. Because faith is the instrument, the death of Christ is the basis. Uh, 
Let me illustrate. Imagine that Chiket over here is a billionaire, right? And he knows that you are struggling. And so he's so incredibly generous that he takes 10 million ringgit and he puts it into a bank account that he opened especially for you. And he gives you an ATM card and he says, whenever you need money, just use this card, withdraw it. And I come to you and say, hey, how come you're so rich now? Huh? Would you say, oh, look, I'm rich now because I've got this great ATM card that gives me money. Right? Every time I, I need money, I just go to the bank, put it, da, 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 ding, money comes out. You know, this wonderful card. Right? No, la, you wouldn't say that, right? It's true. La. The ATM card is the instrument by which you receive the money. Right? No ATM card, no money, no matter how many times you press, 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 press button. But the ATM card didn't really give you the money. The money came through the grace of your friend. That was the basis for your riches. Actually, even the ATM card came that way. And brothers and sisters, we are justified by faith, right? Even the faith we have is a gift of God. But even then, that faith is the instrument by which we receive justification. It's like the ATM card. But what actually makes us justified, the actual basis for justification, the actual reason why there's anything in the account in the first place, is because of what Christ has done. It's Him alone. He has lived that perfect life which we fail to live. He has died for our sins in our place, taking our punishment on our behalf. Faith, that instrument, is the open hand that says, look, I can't earn salvation. I have to rely on you to provide it. I completely rely on what you have done on the cross to get me there. So the basis of our salvation is not faith. The basis of our salvation is Christ. We have been justified by His blood. And since, therefore, we have been justified by His blood, verse 9, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Right? One day, God is going to wind up history and judge the world. And God's wrath, His rightful anger against sin is going to be unleashed. And, and Jesus died so that we will be safe on that day when God unleashes His wrath. We will be saved by Him. Now think about those law courts again. In the law court, if we've been justified, if we've been declared not guilty by the judge, then we will not have to pay the fine or go to prison or be executed when the time comes for those kind of things to happen. Because we've already been found not guilty. Uh, and so in verse 9 again, since therefore, since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, we have been justified, how much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God? We've already been declared righteous, already got the not guilty verdict. We can be sure that when God's wrath comes, when Jesus judges the world, we're going to be okay. God's just anger still comes, but if we've already been justified, then we will be safe on that day. Is the ice thick enough? Can Christ save us? Yes, He can. He's lived the perfect life. He's died in order to do that. He has justified us by His blood. And if we are His, then we are as safe as we could possibly be. 
But here's another question. Okay, Christ can save us, but is Christ the only one who can save us? Is Christ unique? Is he the only Savior? Well, the answer has to be yes, isn't it? Because he's the only one who has died for our sins. He's the only one who is the perfect sacrifice. No one else has paid the price on our behalf. Christ is the only one. We can be saved by Christ and only Christ. Jesus himself tells us this. Remember John 14, which we read in our New Testament reading earlier? Uh, John 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples uh, a few hours before his death. And he tells them that there are, there are many rooms in his father's house. He's going to prepare a place for them. And then when he's questioned by one of his disciples about the way to the Father, he says this in John 14, verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is Jesus' words. Because he is the only Savior. And this is echoed by his earliest disciples. Uh, come with me to Acts chapter 4. Uh, in Acts chapter 4, not long after his resurrection, we have two of his disciples, Peter and John, uh, and they are arrested for preaching about Jesus. Page 912, if you're using the Green Sticker Bible. Acts chapter 4. And they come to all the big-name Jewish leaders for questioning, uh, and when they do that, they, they boldly proclaim Jesus. And in fact, Peter turns the tables on them, he accuses them of being the one who rejected Jesus. And he says this in verse 11. He says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Even though Israel has rejected Jesus as their leader, actually God has said, this is the most important person, right? and shown it by raising him from the dead. And then he says in verse 12, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven. That's, that's, that's pretty comprehensive, isn't it? No other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Christ alone is the Savior. And the Apostle Paul teaches the same thing. If you come with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, we're on page 991, if you're using the green sticker Bible, page 991, 1 Timothy chapter 2. In 1 Timothy 2, Paul is uh, telling believers to pray for all people because God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And then he says this in verse 5, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The mediator is a go-between. Right? Someone who represents two different parties to each other. Uh, he can relate to both parties. He can represent each of them. He can bring them together. Uh, so a mediator is a, is a representative, he's a reconciler, and the Holy Spirit says through the Apostle Paul that there is one mediator between God and man. There's one God, not multiple gods, there's one God, one true God, 
and there's one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. He is man, so he represents us human beings to God. He is Christ, the ruler and the king, so he represents God the king to us. He is fully God, he is fully man. Uh, he makes the perfect mediator. And he brings about that reconciliation because the Bible tells us that our sin, our rebellion against God has cut us from God. We've created a problem in our relationship and Jesus as our mediator puts it right. Because only Jesus has given himself, verse 6, as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at its proper time. He's given himself as a ransom, right? A ransom is what? A ransom is something you pay to get something back, isn't it, right? If I was kidnapped and they asked you for money, you might pay a ransom to get me back. Oh, then again, you might not. Uh, uh, Jesus gave himself as a ransom on behalf of all people. Right? There isn't a group of people in the world for whom there is another ransom. Uh, he's the one ransom for all. And when he died on the cross, he died to take the sin. For, he, he, he paid the price that to, necessary for, 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 for anyone, to be, all of us to be forgiven. Right? His death is what is necessary, no matter what our background, so that people all over the globe, no matter what our race, what our color, what our original creed, the, there's only one ransom. Uh, he's the ransom for all, therefore he's the mediator for all. Uh, there's only one God made man, just one. There's only one sacrifice for sin, just one. There's only one substitute to take the price of sin for us. There's only one way of salvation, just one. And he says, Christ alone uh, is the Savior. And that is the testimony, the gospel, the message uh, that is given in the proper time. Now, there is one God and there's one mediator. Uh, so there's not multiple different ways. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus. Christ alone is the Savior. Uh, thank God for Thomas Cramner and uh, uh, those who are f uh, putting together the 39 articles, the doctrinal statement of the Anglican Church. Listen to Article 18. It's coming up on the screen. It's very clear uh, on this point. It says, They are also to be had accursed that presume to say that every man shall be saved by the law or sect which he professeth, so that he be diligent to frame his life according to the law and the light of nature. For Holy Scripture doth set out to us only the name of Jesus Christ, whereby men must be saved, right? Uh, so it's echoed there, that we are saved by Christ alone. Now friends, that's actually a very important thing for us to remember in our pluralistic society, isn't it? Uh, it is. There'll be a lot of pressure for us to say, well, there's many different ways to be saved. Uh, Jesus is one way, but not the only way. And that pressure is only going to get stronger for us. Now, as the forces of Islamization on the one hand and pluralism on the other hand clash, then we're going to want to go with pluralism, aren't we? But we can't buy the whole package of pluralism, especially the part where it says all religions lead to God. The fact is they don't. Uh, and by saying that, we're going to be unpopular. Uh, we're going to won't be with that, that herd that we like to run with. But to be, we've got to be bold like Jesus, got to be bold like the apostles, and confess that it is Christ alone who saves us. And salvation is found nowhere else. There is one mediator between God and man. He is unique. Christ is the only Savior. But there is another question we must ponder as we think about salvation through Christ alone. We say, okay, 
Only Christ can save us. He's the only Savior. He is unique, right? That's what we can use that word unique to cover all the things we talked about in this last section, unique. But then there's another question. Is Christ alone sufficient? Is Christ alone enough to save you through faith in Him? You see, 500 years ago, the Reformers had to face this question as they were confronted with a medieval church with a hierarchy that had lost sight of the gospel. And instead, they had developed this complex system that people had to follow for salvation. If our sins were forgiven, yes, yes, there's Christ's death on the cross, yes, but you have to access that through the seven sacraments of the church. And since the church controlled the sacraments, they could control who was saved and who were not saved. Uh, now, don't get me wrong, the real sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper, understood rightly, they are wonderful gifts of the Lord Jesus. And we joyfully embrace them as they, as they remind us of the gospel. But in medieval Catholicism, all this was distorted. The church controlled people by telling them the only way to be saved was through the sacraments which only they can give. And some of those sacraments were distortions of the ones in the Bible, like the Mass was a distortion of the Lord's Supper. Some, like marriage, were, ordained, were states of life, good states of life of a Christian person, but they're not biblically sacraments. And some, like penance, were just made up altogether. And so in medieval Catholicism, salvation came through the mediation of the institutional church, the saints, the priests who offer the sacrifice of Christ at the altar at the Mass. And furthermore, people were told that they would be in purgatory for thousands of years, paying for their sins, but they or their friends can get out early if they give money to the church, or pray to saints, or perform pilgrimages to holy places, or adored relics, or, or pay to have masses said for them, etc. It's a, it's a system. And in the system, you're not saved by Christ alone, but Christ can only save you through the system. He needed the mediation are the institutional church, the priests, the sacraments, the saints, all those things. But that is not the teaching of Scripture, is it? For remember, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. And what connects us to Him is not a religious system, but faith. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And Christ is all that we need. Come with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Page 1007. Or the bottom of 1006 if you're using the green Bibles. 1006, 1007. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. And every, uh, he's uh, right to the Hebrews is comparing Jesus, our great high priest, uh, to the Old Testament priests. And he says this, Every priest, is the Old Testament priest, stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. They can't take away sin because actually what they're doing is they're, they're there in the Old Testament to point forward to the real sacrifice of Christ. Right? And then verse 12, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin. He sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, 
He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Right? Jesus is the great high priest. He has offered himself as that sacrifice. Not like the Old Testament priests who offered bulls and goats over and over again. He offered himself, his own self, as that once and for all sacrifice. And once that sacrifice is made, no more offering is needed. Christ alone is sufficient. That single sacrifice is enough. Not like the Old Testament sacrifice that I get to repeat day by day by day. This one sacrifice of Jesus perfects all who are being sanctified. So we don't need any more priests, we don't need any more sacrifices, we don't need any more intermediaries. Christ alone is sufficient. Christ alone is our mediator. Christ alone is our great high priest. Christ alone has done everything needed for salvation. And now he sits at God's right hand, waiting for the God's promised next step in his salvation plan to be fulfilled. And if we are his people, then he has made us officially perfect even as we are actually being changed step by step to becoming more like Him. In the meantime, our faith is not in a system. Our faith is not in a priest or a ceremony or a bride to God. Our faith is in Christ alone. That is what the Scriptures teach us. Article 31 of the 39 Articles once again echoes this teaching of Scripture. Uh, it's, it's of the one oblation of Christ finished on the cross. It says this, the offering of Christ once made is that perfect redemption, propitiation, and sanctification for all the sins of the whole world, both original and actual, and there is none other satisfaction for sin but that alone. Wherefore, the sacrifices of the masses, in which it was commonly said that the priest did offer Christ for the quick and the dead, to have remission of pain or guilt, were blasphemous fables and dangerous deceits. Christ alone is the one who saves his people. So, in conclusion, if you're a believer and you're here today, can I encourage you? Jesus is able to save and He is able to save you. He's the only one able to save you and He's able to save you completely if you trust in Him. You've come to the right person to be saved and He is perfectly reliable. So you keep trusting Him. And you keep trusting Him alone for your salvation. Do not turn to anything or anyone else. Don't change from trusting Him as a person to trusting in the church religious system. System didn't die for you. He did. Trust Him. Love Him. And therefore serve Him as part of His church. Hold fast to His uniqueness as your Savior, even though that makes you unpopular with the world. He is the only Savior. He is your only Savior. And if you're not a believer and you're here this morning, I'm so glad you're here. Because today we have seen that Jesus Christ is the one and the only one who has done everything needed in order to save you. Will you come to Him as your Savior and your Lord? Will you trust Him to lead you and save you? Even now you are in danger of facing God's eternal punishment for your sin, but He is the one he is the one and the only one who has paid the penalty that can set you free. And if you come to Him and trust in Him, then you can be certain that He did it for you. You'll be justified, saved from God's wrath, enjoy eternal life with Him forever. Christ alone can save you from sin. And the best thing you could do today 
is hand your life over to Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you that he died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins, and that through faith in him we have been justified by his blood. Thank you that we don't have to go through anything or anyone else, but, but we have salvation in him and him alone. Please help us, we pray, to guard this wonderful truth, Hold fast to it, not to distort it. Help us to cling firmly to the uniqueness of Christ, that he is the only one who can save us, even when the world wants to relativize him. And we pray for anyone here among us who hasn't yet put their trust in Christ, or whose trust is not in Christ alone for their salvation. By your Spirit, please enable them to trust in Christ alone today, that we may rejoice together in your goodness and love for all eternity. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.